Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. They're all in therapy right now. Tell me it's going to be okay. Please tell me it's going to be okay. They basically want to wake up in February and tell them that they won the Super Bowl. They don't want to go through it. We know the ending of this movie. We've seen it too many times before. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, north of the border, buddy. How is uh, Canada and the Maple Leafs treating you? <laughs> They're not the Maple Leafs, they're, they're the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, this is an what? oil and, uh, I mean, come on. You got you to get your hockey. You grew up in Seattle. You got to get your hockey right. You're right there north of Vancouver, south of Vancouver. Come on. I grew up in Seattle as we've had a team for now two years. I mean, you're getting like you're getting like Dominic. There's so much I got to teach you. I mean, they're getting like Dominic. I, there's so much I got to go over with you. This is getting frustrated. You know, well, he's said, only five. He, and he, I, I think he's lapped you already. He's already quoting Sopranos. I've already he's already lapped you. I mean, he's only five, oh. you know. <laughs> you, you guys are letting him watch Sopranos at five. <laughs> that's that's, yeah. that's an interesting. I let him watch there. the I let him watch the the, the G rated. His mother would kill me if I let him watch the other ones. So yeah, no, he'll eventually get to it. Trust me, he will. He will get well, to I, it. No, I'm up in well, Edmonton. I, I, uh, no, I, I've never been here before. It's an incredibly beautiful town, my lord. And so. Uh, you know, this is where I believe the Edmonton Eskimos is where the great Warren Moon got his career going up here. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, no, so. The, the Go reason, ahead. And, and to, to defend myself here real quick, because I know you're jumping all over Always. me. Uh, Always. The, 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 the reason why I said Maple Leafs, because that's that's the, the symbol on the flag. I was referencing I, I didn't I didn't want to give away the exact city where you were. So I just said, no, Maple Leafs, you know, because that's yeah, that's oh, Canada's thing. Yeah. That's their deal. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, OK, I get that. That's good. Yeah. But, it, it, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, Warren was here up here at the Edmonton Eskimos. It's, it's really kind of a neat town and I haven't explored too much. It's cold it, it, like you would expect it would be up here in the Canadian mm-hmm. Rockies. But it's 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 all good. It's fun. It's good to go experience this, and uh, I'm enjoying it. So I'll be back to I'll be back on Saturday with you. Don't worry, we'll be able to hash over your your brackets and see how you're doing. I'll let you cry on. I did I did yesterday. I did a hit with Jeff Parles. You know, it's classic uh-huh. Jet guy. This will lead into our first uh, first conversation. But he was trying to get me to convince him that the Jets were going to win everything. Like th- this is where Jet fans are now. They got Rodgers. Oh, the pressure's man. on. And now they need therapy. Tell me it's going to be okay. Tell me it's going to be okay. Tell me it's going to be okay. Like, I promise you, you can bring a bunch of people from Vienna in to help Jet fans because the first time they lose this um, this fall, it's good. they're going to have to clock them off a ledge. Oh, it's happening again. That's a, that that's what is it survivor syndrome or, or or whatever they call it like when you just the like the victimhood of Jets fans yeah when the anytime anything yeah. goes it's here we go again yeah I mean he's like oh well tell me how this go-. you know like Jeff I'm not your therapist like I'm not gonna talk you through this you know my man Mike from Twitter who, who who's the ultimate Jet fan you know he was telling me how great the Jets were all last year they're gonna dominate on defense you know. 
you know, and then, of course, he sends me a tweet, say, a text saying, this is the first time Belichick's had the worst quarterback in the division. I said, well, I'm going to save this tweet. You know, I'll save this tweet. For, uh, for, you save it. Go ahead, because it's going to be true. Okay. You know, you want to go there? Fine. Go ahead. It's all right. We'll see how this all plays out, right? I love it. I love that it's starting early. We're, we're in March 16th right now. The season is still six months away, and it's starting early. The AFC East is going to be the division to watch, and of course, because of what we saw yesterday with Aaron Rodgers making his appearance on the Pat McAfee show, your boy Pat McAfee, uh, yeah. Rodgers making it clear that he intends to play for the New York Jets. The exact quote that he said was, my intention is to play and to play for the New York Jets. I haven't been holding anything up at this point. It's the Packers and the compensation that they're trying to get for me. So Rogers has hinted about how the Packers have had some unceremonious kind of uh, breakups with a Hall of Famers and and great players in their organization. And he's kind of hinting at like, hey, like, let's speed this thing along and pretty much saying this is not my fault is what he went on there to go ahead and say and, and to point the finger at the Green Bay Packers. And our read on this was that it was maybe Rodgers and the Jets that were working through compensation stuff, but he's making it seem like it's Green Bay who now wants maybe a first and and more than a first round pick to go ahead and make this trade. Well, I mean, my understanding was that the Jets and the Packers kind of had some formal agreement of what it would take. And then it's mm -hmm. kind of gone back and forth now. And this is a battle of who has leverage, right? So the Jets can't get left at the altar. The Packers think they have leverage. And the Jets think they have leverage because Rodgers is going to play for them. So what are they going to do? And he wants to play for the Jets. So it's that ultimate standoff, right? It's like, who has the most leverage here? And at the end of the day, the Jets are probably going to have to cave. They're going to have to give more than they wanted to give or at least give what the Packers want because, you know, the Packers are going to sit there and say, well, if he doesn't want to play, he'll retire and we'll deal with his cap when he retires. We, we got a cap issue no matter what he does, whether he comes to you or whether he plays, whether he retires. So that's really not going to bother us, right? We're going to have to deal with that. But you got to deal with the fact that if you don't get him, you don't have a quarterback. Because all these, you know, we're now in the backup market quarterbacks thing. You know, I mean, you don't have Mike White. You know, you don't have uh, Jacoby Brissett went to Washington. You know, all these guys are, you know, are going to be out there. I mean, you know, players are visiting teams now. Once you start, for, for not to jump around here, but once you start to see players visiting teams, there's really no market for them. Okay. Yep. The, the, once the players start taking trips to visit teams, there's not a market. And so now that doesn't mean they're not going to get paid, but they're not going to pay what they thought they were. So there has to be a meeting of the minds. And I, and I think ultimately that that's where the Packers are. The Packers are saying, look, you don't have a quarterback. You're not going back to Zach Wilson. So either pay this. You've done all this work. You're going to, now you're going to get cheap at the end of the day. I think that's where they are. Who do you think has the upper hand in this standoff? Because the Packers are saying that you don't have a quarterback, but the Jets are also saying well, your guy doesn't want to play for you, so you're going to eat all that money on your salary cap. I mean, and also the way that Green Bay talked about him, we did Mark Murphy in that in the last podcast about how he was speaking in past tense with Aaron Rodgers. They've already said that they don't want Aaron Rodgers on their team. Like, they're ready to move forward with the Jordan Love era. Like, in this standoff, do you think that the Jets are the more desperate team in this standoff than Green Bay? I think the Jets have the most to lose. I don't. I think they have the most to lose because the Packers are already going with Julian Love, right? So they already know that. So that's all. Yeah, Jordan Love. They're, they're, uh, Jordan Love. I'm sorry. They're already going with Jordan Love. So they already know that. I mean, the Jets don't have a quarterback. They're not going back to Zach Wilson. You know, they didn't get their fan base this excited. They didn't call Joe Namath to ask him for permission to wear number 12 to, to leave this at the altar. I mean, this isn't the graduate here. You know, like Dustin Hoffman isn't coming in 
you know, to take the bride away. Like there's no chance. Right. So I think to me that the, the, the Jets have to figure out a way to make this work and they're going to have to give probably a little bit more than they wanted to give. But that's the reality of it. Uh, you know, I thought it was interesting, Femi. I thought there was an agenda at that. I think Aaron Rodgers obviously understands the power of the platform that he has with Pat McAfee because he knows he can reach a lot of people. I think his agenda when he won on that show was he was going to rip Murphy without ripping Murphy's name. And he did a good job of that, you know, and he was going to and he was going to attack the rumors that were out there, whether they're false or not, you know. But I do think what, what's interesting is what gets missed in the equation. Like Rogers has a list of players. OK, Mercedes Lewis was on that list. OK, great. Blame Rogers for that. And I'm not defending Rogers here at all. I'm just trying to explain things out. Well, Mercedes Lewis career was in Jacksonville. Who was the offensive coordinator? Nathaniel Hackett. Then he went to Green Bay. Who was the offensive coordinator? Nathaniel Hackett. Right. So I think yeah. Nathaniel Hackett has a lot to say with that list, too, because it is. Now, I don't think Randall Cobb ha- is Nathaniel Hackett's, <laughs> but I think he has. I think I think that that like Mercedes Lewis, I could see Nathaniel Hackett wanting him right on the line. Why block? We could run strong side. OK, so, you know, they say they were going to sign Lassard anyway, which I don't understand. Like you got Corey Davis, you got Elijah Moore, you know, you, you cut Barrios because you said it was too expensive for him. And then you signed Lassard. That's a little fishy, but, you know, he's a good player. So, you know, get him in there. To me, I think that 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 whole demand thing that he attacked, I think that was part of his agenda. Now, I'm also calling a little BS on that his agenda thing about like, hey, like Hackett and all these guys, because the, the, one of the main reasons I think Hackett is there is because of the prospects of getting Aaron Rodgers. Now, Rodgers tried to debunk that and said that Hackett has been a fantastic coach throughout his career and all this stuff. But the minute Hackett got hired, we all pointed to, oh, this could be as a, a, not the main reason to try to get Aaron Rodgers, but this is also going to help them try to secure Aaron Rodgers and make it more comfortable for him. Because like we said in the last podcast, Rodgers was never going to go there by himself. He also wanted to feel comfortable because he's making this change after being with one organization for 18 years. So yeah. yes, we can point to Hackett having ties to these players as well. But the reason Hackett even has that job, in my opinion, is because of the prospects of securing the four-time MVP quarterback. Yeah, I think you're right about 70%, but I also think you're leaving out about 30%. So the NFL is a profession of friends. Okay. It's never about who's the best coach. It's never about anything other than the network that you're in. And so let's, the Salah is in the LaFleur network. Okay. They were both together at San Francisco, his best friends, Mike LaFleur, that's his best friend. Uh, ben Franklin's your best friend. He's in your pocket. You'll get to that in season two eventually. And that, that's my best friend, Ben Franklin. But yeah. your best, I, I, his I did best get to friend, that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's my best friend, and he's in there. Okay, yeah. so one of the great lines of all time. And so, R.I.P. Pussy. <laughs> yeah, R.I.P. Uh, thank you. There you go. We're making progress, Dominic. Okay, I'm so making my way, man, I'm making my way. <laughs> all right, so so now. Mike is best friends with Salah. He had to fire him. He didn't want to do that. So LaFleur, Mike, uh, Matt LaFleur, the cheerleader, is best friends with Nathaniel Hackett. They work together. So that bond there is really, had Nathaniel Hackett not had any relationship with that LaFleur contingencies, which goes to Salah, I'm not saying he wouldn't have gotten the job. I'm saying it probably might have been a little bit harder. But that that was the cherry on top. So yes, it solves solves two problems, 
And, you know, it also fills my sense that I know I could trust the guy. He, he comes with great recommendations from people that I love. That's the NFL. That's how you get hired in the NFL. There's no blind hiring. Yeah, no, I just I, I, that makes sense. I agree with that. It's just to me, I think it's, yeah, like you said, it's all working in concert. Rogers, though, during the interview with McAfee, he did talk about how before he went into his darkness retreat, he was 90% leaning towards retirement. What did you make of that? Because we've had the discussions of, hey, like he's going to play. It sounds like he was pretty close to walking away from the game and feels like he was just a little bit tired of the grind of football, but now has been reinvigorated and, 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 and wants to continue on with this thing. I think anytime you climb a mountain, right, or you drive across country like I did, the prospects of doing it again immediately don't resonate in your mind, right? So that yeah. it's a grind. It's the grind. It's one plus one equals two, right? You know, when you're having greatness in life, it's one plus one equals three. You have that ability to just go to work and enjoy it. But when you're doing something that becomes one plus one equals two, the grind, you get up, go to work hate your job, you know, deal with frustrating things that 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 wears on you. And so I think that season probably was more of one plus one equals two. And then when you take a step away, all of a sudden climbing back up the mountain again doesn't seem as hard as you thought it was during that time. So that's kind of how I see it. You know, I, I felt like he was always going to play, but but you do need a little bit of a sense of I got to get away from this for a moment. Now, I'm not suggesting you go on this into the darkness. I'm not. But drive across the country. It was invigorating for me. Do something, you know, do something else, right? Like do something that's going to stimulate you and, and then kind of find out where your true passions are. You know, the other day we wrote about this for the daily coach and, and it kind of explains the NFL really well. If you really want to know the NFL hiring or the NFL processes, you get to a point where you're in this, where you're really in demand, you know, and that's kind of like the, that's your third phase of your career. And then once you kind of then you're no longer as much in demand, but you have way more to offer. Right. And yet you're not viewed that way and your salary is viewed too high. It happens to a lot of coaches. Right. You see it all the time. This guy's a hot coordinator. All of a sudden he can't get a job anymore. Right. So I think the players go through a little bit of that, too, is like, do I really want to kind of what, what phase of my life am I in? I, I just think the guy, look, it's complicated. I try not to judge Rogers on what on his off the field because I yeah. watch him on the field. Now, I think the question is, is how good of a teammate will he be? And he was trying, it was really clear that he was, in that interview, he was expressing a a full force, I'm a good teammate, I'm rooting for Jor mm -hmm. Jordan Love, you know, I don't like old Mr. Murphy, I'm sure he and Big Daddy could have a conversation about that, but I think that's what it was. And by the way, Big Daddy was fully expecting him there, you know, he's got all the pressure on the floor now. Just so you know, Big Daddy's, all his eyes are focused on the floor coaching without an elite quarterback. That's where Big Daddy is right now. As he remodels my bathroom, that's his focus right there. All right. Well, Big Daddy's got to chill because, you know, over the last 30 seasons, I saw this tweet from uh, from your boy Mike Tannenbaum. He's tweeted, it said, 30 seasons from 1992 to 2022, Favre and Rogers with the Packers. 307 wins, two Super Bowl championships, 917 touchdowns, 290 interceptions, and seven MVPs. 
I, we love Big Daddy, obviously, on this podcast, but Packer fans, we, we got to relax with the sky no, is no, falling. No, that, that, see, that, stuff, that's, like, such, that's such a bullshit stat. That's such a bullshit stat because you don't get paid for touchdown passes. You don't get paid for, for inter- regular season wins. You're on the Doc Rivers fucking program. Okay, yeah, we're going to win these regular seasons. I'll get myself in the Hall of Fame. You get paid for titles. You know, if yeah. you're a Packer fan and you're looking over there at, at Brady – and you're saying, how did he win six and then seven? And we only have two with the two guys who are probably going to be in the top 50 players of all time in the NFL. How did we do that? Like we like we fell short. You can't blame Packer fans for feeling the sense of we didn't accomplish what we wanted to accomplish. I, I think I mean, they we, would tell you that. I think Ron Wolf no. sitting in Jupiter, Florida today would say his regret is he had a chance to win two Super Bowls. And losing that Denver game, probably he wakes up in the middle of the night, that Denver game's on his mind. Losing that game probably hurts him more than any win. That's what happens in the NFL. Nobody thinks about the regular. I don't really. I think about losing the tuck or losing the fumble in Denver. I, I think about those games. With that said, we started this podcast talking about how Jets fans have been battered since the 1960s. I mean, I think Jets fans would trade for that resume with the Green Bay. They're Packers. all in therapy. They're all in therapy right now. Every Jet fan, I'm telling you, Hell, they're, all, that. Yeah, they're all in therapy right now. Tell me it's going to be OK. Please tell me it's going to be OK. Tell me it's going to be. I don't want to watch. Tell me it's going to be OK. Like they want to do. I mean, they want to. They basically want to wake up in February and, and, and tell them that they won the Super Bowl. They don't want to go through it. They don't want to go through it because they know they're like. They're like I am with the 76ers. They know the end of like when you started this, oh, Sixers are doing really good. Sixers, you fell right into that trap. You're right in there. You're all hook, line, and sinker. Oh, we beat Cleveland last <laughs> night. You know, you know, we had a great win against Portland and beads the MVP favorite again. Like, I, I get I get where you're going. However, I'm a Sixer fan, just like those Jet fans. We know the end that we know the ending of this movie. We've seen it too many times before. I can I can identify with Jet fans. I, I have the same experience with the 76ers. I identify yeah, no, with them. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I, saying, I would no, say this. Like I say about Jet fans, when they wake up on Sunday morning, that's the best they're going to feel all day. Right? Because they have oh, the, the outcomes never good. Right? That's the best they're going to feel all day. When I watch this, when, when the 76ers tip the ball off, the morning I wake up, that's the best I feel all day, too, because the pain is too much to go through it. Because if you fall for the trap that we're really good, you fall for that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and then all of a sudden you go back. I mean, I can remember being <laughs> in Pittsburgh. They had a chance to beat the Steelers, right? They, have, they get behind yeah. in that championship game. They have a chance did, to beat yeah. the Steelers. And, and, you know, Ben converts a third and nine on a bootleg, makes a hell of a throw over towards their bench. I mean, it, it's, you know, like it's painful. It's painful. It's painful being a Sixer fan. It's painful being a Jet fan. With that said, between now and the start of the playoffs, the Sixers are going to they're going to rope you back in, buddy. I know they no, will. They're not. They're gonna, no, they're they will not. No, they will not. Femi, I, no, they, I've, been to, I have, I've been to rehab. I've been to the 12 step program of 76ers. I'm not going back. I'm very calm about it. I know the ending. I know this. I know. And I'm reinforced by Doc. I'm reinforced by Doc's inability to figure this out. Like there's a difference between coaching and strategy. Right. At some point, there's going to have to be a strategy involved. Right. No matter how many great players you have, there has to be a strategy, just like the Jets. What's their strategy? Is Nathaniel Hackett going to have the right strategy for Favre? Is it going to be the watered down West Coast offense that it was in Denver last year? You know that there's going to be a little bit of a rub, too. Right. You're going to have to figure that one out. But the Jets have skill players now. You know, yeah. can they stay healthy? Are they going to? Are they just going to assume? Here's the thing: 
you know, there is contentment. It's the it's contentment is the coronavirus of the NFL. When you feel content, right? Like we've achieved something. You you don't work to that other level. When you feel threatened, you work. That's a daily coach. I might write that. All right. When you have yeah, contentment, like you know, when you have contentment, you, you kind of don't go run four more sprints. When you have, when you feel threatened, you do. And to me, what Salai must do now is basically when, when they get Rodgers in fold is basically that first meeting that says, we ain't one shit. If we don't work hard, we're not. And, and I'm going to raise the bar. I'm going to amp it up. I'm going to raise it up. Like uh, this is another one we wrote for the Daily Coach, David Simon, who the wire. He had a he had a huge sign by his desk that said, fuck the average audience. Because when he wrote for the Baltimore Sun, he was told to write for the guy who lives in the suburbs. He has a two-car garage, two cats, two dogs, two and a half kids, yada, yada. Make it easy for him to understand. He hated it, right? And I, the advice I got when I first started writing in this profession was write above your audience. Try to write above your audience. They'll catch up. And I think that's what teams have to do. you got to push them to catch up. That's Salai's challenge. It's kind of one of my favorite quotes is that necessity is the mother of invention. You know, you, you don't really know what you got to do until you're desperate enough and you need to do something. And that's when uh, all the great ideas. It, it all goes the, back to what stuff. Churchill said. They, they asked Churchill, they said, why did you how did you eventually become prime minister? He said, because fear does the work of reason. Yep. It wasn't until the Germans were bombing London that I became, you know, that it, it happened. And so fear did the work of reason. That's life. That's us. I'm fearful I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to work harder. I'm fearful yep. I'm not going to pay my mortgage. I'm going to do whatever. I, you know, you're fearful. It's a great, it's a powerful, motivating tour. Contentment is really the worst thing you can have. That's why Brady's so great. He never finds contentment. Yeah. He, he approaches every day as if he's an undrafted free agent trying to make the team, right. which is how you end up winning seven Super Bowls over the course of 20 plus years. Last note on this Rodgers Jets thing before we get to another MVP quarterback here. Ultimately, what do you think the compensation is going to be? Do you think the Packers are going to get that number one pick and then and then some? I think they're going to get the one. I was told they wanted a one and then some if he plays more. So that's what I was told originally from a reliable source. I mean, look, at this point, what are you going to do if you're the Jets? Right. What are you going to do? You Basically, you're there at the altar, you know. Did you ever see the yeah. movie The Graduate? I mean, you know, I mean, you're I, not going to have a scar. You're not going to have a scar ball class, there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're going to you're going to have to. You, 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 there's nobody else coming to take you. You're going to have to get married here. You're going to have to do it. I mean, I think the Packers feel like that now, Mr. Murphy. I don't know what he thinks, but <laughs> you know, it's going to be interesting. All eyes are on the four. Big Daddy's watching every move. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, also fun in Baltimore. Well, might not be as fun if you're the Ravens or if you're Lamar Jackson, because now Lamar Jackson as a restricted free agent under the tag with the Baltimore Ravens, that non-exclusive tag, he can now legally speak with teams and negotiate a contract for an offer sheet that the Ravens would then have the chance to match. So Lamar, though, in the midst of all of this, has been relatively quiet, I would say. He doesn't have an agent that's been well-documented. He's been quiet. We haven't really heard what his demands are or what he truly wants. There's been whispers, but there's nothing that's come from him directly. Well, we got that for the first time earlier this week because there was a report, I think it was a blog in Baltimore that was kind of aggregating a Schefter report about how Lamar turned down $200 million guaranteed this past September. Lamar then responds on Twitter saying that, it's cap. And for those who don't know what cap is, I mean, saying it's a lie. And he then responded to that tweet saying that three years, 
$133 million fully guaranteed, but I need an agent, question mark, laugh emojis yeah. and all the sorts. Uh, what was your reaction to this? Now, finally seeing some numbers out there that the Ravens offered Lamar Jackson. I mean, look, if he got offered 133 and I was his mama, I would have said, Lamar, let's try to get 150 fully guaranteed. If we can't, let's get 150 in incentives. That's three years, 50 million. And we're back biting the apple again. I mean, don't sneeze at 150 million. Like we don't have to eat. We don't have to eat all the rigatoni at the first time. We can go back through the buffet line again. Like, you know, like, let's do this. Like, let's take this short deal. Let's make sure we put that 150. Well, we can live off of 20 million for the next three years. That's not a problem. Put the rest of it in the bank and then we're going to go and here's what we're going to do. And then we're going to get another bite of the apple and we're going to keep biting the apple. Well, sure. What here's what what you have to understand about contracts are there's the contracts are always the bonus is related to the length of service. OK, so most of these contracts are like when you do a one year deal or a two year deal, you're not going to get as much free money. You may get guaranteed, but you're not going to get as much free money. Now, Lamar, I mean, he's going to be on somebody's team for the next three years. It's like, okay, like I, I was talking to a coach last night, you know, Cooper Rush, you, you, you sign Cooper Rush at a quarterback. Say you pay Cooper Rush $3 million and you guarantee all $3 million. Well, okay, say, he doesn't, say you draft a guy in the first round and you got Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush's value, he's going he's gonna to play somewhere. Experienced quarterbacks, I'm not saying he's great, but experienced quarterbacks have a marketplace. Right. So they're going to make that they're going to they're going to be on a team. And when they're on a team, you know, what do you care about the guarantee? They're going to be on the team. So it's the same thing with Lamar. He's going to be on the team. He's going to play. So the guarantee isn't as important. The problem with the guarantee was, like I said earlier, they gave it to the wrong guy. Like Deshaun didn't deserve the first time they did that. Yeah. So for me, for me, if I were Lamar, I would have done that. You know, now I don't know where Lamar's market is. Washington just signed Brissett. Thought that would have been an interesting move if Washington would have brought Lamar in to add to their defense. I mean, they that that quarterback because we talked about this yesterday on my show. I mean, there's no quarterbacks in the NFC. I mean, you got Hertz, Jared Goff, Dak. I mean, like, tell me where with Rodgers moving out of there, Brady no longer there. Like, it's a void. It's a Why void now. Maybe that maybe it'll be Bryce Young in Carolina, and maybe it'll be you know, but. You know, I mean, like there's a void and that that's the perfect time. If you're Washington, wow, I, I could sign this guy in our nation's capital. I mean, now I know it, they're going through a complete and would they have the money to do it? Well, you could figure it out like you could figure it out. But to me, uh, I, I think it's interesting that that they're not interested. Like if I was in the if I was Atlanta, if I was a GM of Atlanta, and I was the yeah. GM of Washington. If I was in the NFC right now, I'd say, like, this is our moment. We need to go get it. If, let's say, if you were Washington or Atlanta and you gave Lamar three years, $150 million fully guaranteed, do you think that would be enough to prevent the Ravens from matching it? Well, if they've offered three at 133, I can't imagine they wouldn't match three at 150. Mm-hmm. I think it so would come down to. So, how high do you have to, to go? I think it would come down to you before you negotiate that deal, you would have to say to the Ravens, look, we'll give you our one this year. We'll give you our one next year. Uh, we want to sign Lamar. Would you do it? You got to call their bluff. You got to You got to agree to the trade with them before you agree to the contract, gotcha. because, yeah. you, you know, you don't want them to take you don't you don't want to negotiate the contract for them. You don't want to do that. That's not your job. You don't want to spend all this money negotiating the contract for them and then doing it. So. 
I, I think to me that's what that's how it's got to go. But once again, you got to have this thing in alignment, right? You got to have the ability to have two things working at the same time, and that's challenging. I, I guess I'm just wondering from because. Is there a number out there that the Ravens you think would not match? So like if a team said, all right, Lamar, we'll give you three years, $180 million, and you get $60 million per year. At that point, does Baltimore say, damn, well, all right, we'll just take the two first round picks. Congratulations. You guys just got Lamar Jackson. Like, Is there a number? Is there a threshold that the Ravens clearly will not go ahead and go towards? I can't imagine it. I think because of the three-year deal, it really kind of it kind of eliminates a lot of the funding mechanisms that they would have to send money to the league. That's the mm-hmm. reason the guarantees aren't in place because that deadline at the at March first, they take a March thirty-first, they take a screenshot of the debt that you owe in the prior year, next year, and you have to fund that. So what happened, what would happen on a three year deal, the first year is all guaranteed. It's like when these agents come out and say, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, what's this? McGlinchey just signed this deal. He got yep. X amount guaranteed. Well, his they guaranteed his first year salary. What does that mean? I mean, like he was going to get guaranteed, like he was going to sign him to this money and cut him like guaranteeing your first year salary is like fucking nothing. I mean, that's like you're not giving me anything with that. I'm going to be on the team. You just gave me a signing bonus. So you're going to cut me after a fucking training camp. Come on. So like that's like, and you add that into the guarantee, like it's some kind of, uh, so let, let's just say you did 180 million, you know, you could guarantee, you know, you could, you could basically say, okay, we're going to give you a hundred. We're going to give you, we're going to give you uh, X amount in signing bonus and spread it out and then base salaries. And then the third year, the, the whatever the third year of the deal is, you may have to fund that or you may be able to fudge around the funding mechanism, but it would, wouldn't be a hard deal to really put together. It would be a high cap number because you don't have enough yeah. years to go on there. It would be probably a five year deal that that voided after three. That's what would happen. You would do a five year deal. It would void down to three. And it would really just be a three-year deal. Yeah. I mean, if it was 180 over three, I mean, that would be an astronomical cap number. But like I said, with Lamar in comparison to Deshaun Watson, I would not take a penny less from an annual average standpoint than Deshaun Watson. You're probably not going to get the fully 250 million, but like you said, three years, 150, where you can get 50 million per year. I think that would be a fair deal for Lamar Jackson. Well, you to get, get another, another bite at the apple. apple. You get exactly. another bite. That, that's yeah. what you want. You're, he's so young. You should be able to get. You should. Lamar. Somebody should be saying to Lamar, "You got three more contracts in you. You got this yeah. one. We got another five year, and then we got the one at the end of the year. We got three more. Co- we might have three more contracts. So let's keep let's keep matriculating the ball down the field. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's I think what needs to be said. Not necessarily focusing on the fully guaranteed sum, but just the annual guarantees i think is what lamar should be focused on because then you can go ahead and re-up if you want to re-up with the ravens again or if you're at another team and and then they want to extend you another extension and all that you can get so much money from this thing i think that's kind of where dak prescott was when he was fighting with the cowboys in those negotiations he was adamant on wanting a four-year deal versus a five-year deal because he wanted a quicker bite at the apple and now there's already yeah. talk about restructuring and if they do that yeah, they already did restructure they already did restructure yeah. they, 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 they keep buying i mean that's what teams are doing we will get to one billion dollars by the end of this month of restructures, $1 billion of restructures. Now, it's really just, it's phony money. It's just taking your guarantee, taking your paragraph five, basically guaranteeing you are going to be on the team and the payout stays the same. So it isn't really a cash influx, 
but it's mm-hmm. still it's but, but teams have to redo it. Like these contracts are so like McGlinchey's contract. Like everybody I talk to in the league, like that's one of the worst contracts in football that Denver just gave him based on his level of play and what they paid him. They're going to have to redo his deal next year. I mean, you know, they're going to have to keep because it's not the value is not going to be there. You know, it's not like you don't want to do those things like it just becomes very hard. And then you end up spending good money with bad. You get yourself in this hole. It's like the Rams. Okay, are you going to give Matthew Stafford today's the first day of the league year or yesterday was right yesterday? Mm -hmm. I mean, tomorrow that 57 million becomes fully guaranteed. And if he can't throw the ball 10 feet, it doesn't matter. He's getting 57 million. Like I have a hard time. Like Al Davis would have shot me. I would have been hung in 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 in, in downtown Jack London Square if I had done that contract. I mean, I would have got like seriously. Forget that you won a Super Bowl with Stafford. Like you, you you're telling me I owe this guy fifty seven million and he may not be healthy enough. Now you know. I mean, they can't get anybody to take the deal. They can't yeah. get anybody. But people that attack me for saying it's not true, to me it has to be true. It they're too smart at the Rams to know that they can't pay 57 million. Now they're trapped, but if they weren't trying to trade Stafford, that would have been the story. That would should have been the story. Like that that's the story. That that's how stupid people are sometimes. Like do you really want to spend 57 million dollars for a guy that you're not sure can be healthy the whole year? That's the story. That's mm-hmm. the story. Not that he's available. Of course he's available. Of course Kirk Cousins is available. That that's the reality. That's how bad people they don't they don't think of, he has to be available because you don't know. But but you can't because the contract's so bad you can't get anybody to take him. With that said, and that fifty seven million becoming guaranteed tomorrow, do you think we see anything at the buzzer with Matthew Stafford in terms of a restructuring or maybe even perhaps a trade of, of the Super Bowl? I, I mean, they've court? been trying. They've been trying. They have been trying. But I think they they. I don't think they're I don't think they're getting any way back. I mean, look, you know, we'll talk about this in another block, but they only got a three for Ramsey. I mean, Raider fans are all pissed off. They only got a three for Waller. I mean, explain that to me, please. Can we have that conversation? Okay, I I love Raider fans. I mean, but I mean, Waller hasn't played football for like two years. Right. Ramsey's one of the best corners when he wants to be. And he only went for a three. So let's just temper this down. All right, let's temper it down. We're going to have that conversation on the other side. All the big moves of free agency. Jimmy G now here in Vegas might be neighbors with Michael. We'll find out. This is the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So... As a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do 
go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. All right, let's get to the best of the rest from what we've seen so far in the free agency period. Jimmy Garoppolo, we talked about this connection with the Raiders and Garoppolo. McDaniels obviously having that familiarity. Well, Jimmy G goes ahead and signs three years, $72.75 million, $34 million guaranteed as Garoppolo is now the new quarterback for the Silver and Black. Yeah. I mean, look, I, all I know is in, in my family, the Bill Berman's family, the over and under on how many pitchers Millie's going to take with Jimmy Garoppolo is set at 30. So, you know, there's got a lot of people in line to get pictures with Jimmy G. I can tell you that in my family. I don't know. I might be able to sell like that Jimmy G guy. Go, Jimmy, let's just take pictures with you. You know, <laughs> look, I, I think Rich Gannon said this on uh, I, I heard Rich Gannon talking about this the other day. I think it might have been on the I might have read it on the. Uh, the uh the the 33rd team or somewhere yeah and he talked about how he felt like you know that this would really help make the raiders a better team and i know for raider fans that love car i get all that but garoppolo not it has nothing to do with garoppolo's familiarity with josh it really doesn't because he hasn't played that offense for six years so that's not really it. it it's really about jimmy's persona He's the way he connects with players, the leadership, the way his teammates love him, all those things. Right. So I, I think to me, that's that that's what helps. And then he wins. I mean, it isn't that Jimmy isn't talented. It's Jimmy's durability is the issue. Can he stay healthy? That's your concern. If you're a Raider fan, you're going to be better. You're going to be better at quarterback. You're going to be able to he'll throw it down the field with more. He'll run the offense. And Josh knows what he's good at doing and what he's not good at doing. He didn't win all those games in San Francisco because he sucks. You know, like everybody said, well, San Francisco's defense won. Well, okay, let's go through it again. All right. He gets to San Francisco as an afterthought. They gave up a second round pick for him. They thought they would flip him and they would sign Kirk Cousins. He went, he goes out there and wins five with a shitty team. He goes out there and wins. They were what? Oh, and seven when he took over or whatever. They, they were a shitty team. And he wants, he wins five games for him. And then that keeps him away from Kirk Cousins. So, like, the guy is the guy's a good player. Now, is he is he durable? No. I would be the first to say I would be nervous about him staying healthy. But he's a good player. Does he make mistakes? They all do. Right? They all do. But he's got ability to throw, make all the throws. He's got a really good arm. He's got a good composure. His teammates love him. And he's a leader. And one of the things I think if I go over, as I talk to coaches, whether it's in basketball or football, the one thing you got to do as a head coach is your whoever your lead dog is has to be like you, right? You you, you got to have somebody that kind of exemplifies your personality as a head coach. You know, like you know, this is like Brady and Belichick. Okay, Brady is as 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 determined to win as Belichick. It's even though the game, even though they're different and they come from different places, their 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 devotion is the same. And so I think that's what will certainly help help him and I think they'll be a better team with him at quarterback. Yeah, I mean Jimmy, he seems like he's a great hang. Like just from an anecdotal standpoint, like just watch him from afar. his teammates Everybody you cannot him. deny Everybody. you can't you can't deny that they Everybody. gravitate toward him. And, and people so disconnect with that and, and and they don't see that as a team. You know, that's a huge component of the team. 
You know, that that's like when I was a kid growing up watching Billy Kilmer play for the Washington Redskins, you know, like he wasn't very talented. Billy went, Kilmer ran the single wing and all that. You know, he's an old guy, could barely throw the freaking ball. But he was like a guy's guy. The, the, the players loved him and they rallied and played well for him, you know, and the, it, he raised everyone's level of play. Not that he was a great player, but I think Jimmy does that. Jimmy has that ability. One of the reasons we drafted Jimmy was because he kind of never was going to buckle to the pressure of being in the same room as Brady. It didn't bother him. You know, it didn't bother Jacoby Brissett either. Those guys kind of had enough maturity about them. So for me, I just think to me, the, the, he's a better fit for what the Raiders want to do. And I think that's part of it. You know, that the Raiders have to figure out that, you know, they have not been winning for a long time. I know I hate to break the news to him, but you know, there's been since 02 we went to the Super Bowl, there hasn't been very many playoffs involved. They need to put a foundation in. They need to get back to what Al built. They need to get back to their identity. And I think they're trying to do that. They want to try to sign tough players, physical guys who love football. That's the key. Yeah, I, I, and the, I, from the football's perspective, I've never been the biggest Garoppolo fan because, uh, like you mentioned, the durability and, all, and also, like, I I don't think he has like the the superhuman powers that some of the elite guys have, but like. But he's not paid the like lead, an elite the, lead, guy. the leadership I mean, stuff. He didn't, is get, big, he didn't yeah. get paid. He didn't get paid like an elite guy. He didn't get paid fifty yeah. million. I mean, you yeah. know, like you, you know, do you think Dak has superhuman powers? Nope. Do, do, do you think you think nope. the Mara Munchkin Land has superhuman powers? Like these guys that got paid, you know, like they they, they got paid. I mean, like you think Daniel Jones has superhuman powers? I mean, I I don't need to wait for that answer. You know, like seriously, we, we can't like, piss off Giants fans, Michael. Just, we can't do. That. I mean, like they always will. Lombardi hates it. No, I don't. I hate yeah. some of the deals they do. I, 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 I don't. I love Brian Dayball. I love him. I talk to Brian. I love him. I do anything to help Brian Dayball. You know, I love Wink. I, I mean, those guys I love on there. But I just that doesn't necessarily mean you like their deals. Like I, I, I don't like some of the. I don't like their methodology. I don't like that they fall in love. This is a profession you can't fall in love. That being said. You know, to me, they didn't pay Jimmy like us. They didn't pay him like an elite player. They paid yeah. him like a a, a, a a level down. And if he can play to a level up, he'll get paid more money. There's no doubt. Yeah, no, that's definitely fair. The Raiders, they also went ahead and made the big trade that we saw yesterday, sending tight end Darren Waller to our beloved New York Giants, your favorite team of the podcast, for a third round pick. This has a lot of layers to it because Waller, when healthy, one of the best tight ends in football, had trouble staying on the field this past year dealing with, he had ankle issues, I think he had some knee stuff going on there. there it's been a couple of uh, down years for Waller compared to what his talent is. Do you think that the Raiders made the right move in sending Waller to the Giants? And what do you make of this move for the Giants who now have a bona fide, when he's on the field, pass catcher in that offense? Uh, I, I do not dispute the talent of Darren Waller. He's a unique player, fast, mm -hmm. athletic, got quickness. However, in his in his career, in his career, he's 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 going to be 31 next year. In his career, how many games has he started, Femi? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, the last 52. couple of years, I'll give that's the answer. 52. The last two years, he started 17 games. So he's only played in the last wow. two years. He's only played okay. So, you know, now his catch ratio is forget everybody wants to dump on Josh McDaniels like he's not a good offensive coach. OK, we can have that debate. Last year, the 11, the, the 21 season when he had Greg, I, I, when he had the, the 
Rich Bisacci and Gruden, his his catch to target ratio was 58 percent, which is ridiculously bad for a tight end. Okay, last year it was up to 65 percent. Right. He's only scored five touchdowns in the last two years. Like we talk about durability for Garoppolo. Does Darren Waller really does he show durability? Now, is he a talented player? Does he have talent? Yes. Is he a talented player at times? And if you're the Giants, you're saying we got to get the good Waller. We got to get the good Waller. We got to get him and coach him up and be. And he's got to buy into what we're doing. But mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure that the talent ever manifests itself to the field when you only play in 17 games. I think Raider fans should be saying, how did we get a three for this guy? Like, how did we get a three? So what the Raiders simply did, and this is kind of how you have to operate, right? So they signed Jacoby Myers. And if you want to check Jacoby Myers' numbers over the last two years to Waller's numbers, they play different positions, but they don't. Okay, Jacoby Myers is a slot inside receiver. That's what Waller was doing with Renfro on the other side. Okay, so they play him in the slot. So they basically took Waller's money and gave it to Jacoby Myers. And they got more production, more durability. All right? So, like, now, did they get more talent? Probably not. I mean, if we were picking for Little League, we're picking Waller first over Jacoby Myers. But like Belichick often says, I'm not trying to collect talent. I'm trying to build a team. This kid's really talented, and he can clear a seam against cover, too. But look, when you have Devontae Adams and and you see split safety as much as the Raiders see split safety, you would think he would have caught 100 balls, right? You would have thought he would have caught 100 balls. He only caught 28 passes. He scored three touchdowns. He had a lot of key drops in the game. He had a lot of key drops in the game. And so, like, he is really good. And he made the Pro Bowl in 2020, 2020 right? But that, mm-hmm. no, that's when he was at 73.8% target catch ratio. It hasn't been that way for the last two years. That arrow is going the other way. To get a third-round pick, I would think people would rejoice for this. Like you say, well, because you, they keep waiting for him. They redid his contract. He had the hamstring. When I was out there, he had the hamstring. But the hamstring was related to the contract. And then, you know, and then he didn't really rehab the on the bye week. He didn't rehab the he didn't rehab the hamstring. You know, he kind of wasn't in he wasn't in the program. Let's put it that way. He wasn't in the program. So look, either if you're not in the program, we can't we can't force you. So we'll get a third round pick. We'll get somebody who's in the program. What went wrong? Why do you think that you didn't, or at least the, the Raiders didn't have that buy-in for Waller once Josh McDaniels took over? Because that's kind of the discussion that Waller and McDaniels were never on the same page. They never saw eye to eye. It's been reported out there. But like, like, why do you think there was that disconnect? Well, I, I don't think Waller's, like I've said this many times, I think Waller's from, from a different program, and he's been used to being in a program that he was wasn't asked to do what the things they asked in the Patriot program and Josh program. It's not for everybody, you know, and look, Waller was in the program last year with Gruden. He only played 11 games. Yeah. You know, he averaged 12, one a catch. He had two touchdowns. Like you want to blame McDaniels for his production? I mean, did McDaniels drop the ball against Tennessee for a touchdown that turned into an interception that lost the game? I don't think so. Like that play, I think messed with his psyche a little bit. You know, so it's easy to blame the coach, but when the player's talent doesn't come to the field, at some point you got to say, wait a minute, trust what you see. As Parcells often says, is when the player shows you is believe them. It's easy to blame. You know, it's it's so easy. These people just blame the coach, blame the coach, blame the coach. Well, you know, if the production's not there, 
I mean, it should have been it should have been a hell of a year for him, but he never got back from the hamstring. I want to read these tweets from Vic Tafer. He's the senior writer for The Athletic, does a good job covering the Raiders, covering the NFL. He's very respected. And he tweeted this on the day of the trade that the trade comes 10 days after Darren Waller's wedding to Aces guard Kelsey Plum. The timing is only interesting because Josh McDaniels accidentally leaked the news of his wedding to reporters at the NFL scouting combine. Waller was upset with McDaniels when the Las Vegas Review Journal posted a story announcing the wedding was scheduled later in the week. The couple had not publicly announced their plans to get married. Do you think any of that also plays into how this ended up shaking out with Waller's exit out of Las Vegas? No, I I don't think so. I really don't. I mean, you know, I don't I don't think it. You know, one thing about the NFL is is there's you know, it's a business, you know, you know, so it's not like college. It's a business. So, you know, I I think to me, I don't know what happened in terms of did Josh do something that he didn't announce it. I don't know. But he wasn't invited to the wedding. Nobody was invited to the wedding. I think from the Raiders, I think one guy was invited to the wedding. Like, does it you know, like to me, you can make an excuse for something. But I, I just think to me, this is about durability. This is about I'm getting ready to pay you 11 million. We redid your contract. You know, and on the bye week, you know, instead of rehabbing, you went home for four days and it, cure, and it cured the fines. You know, it's so on the bye week. You went home and, you know, and just didn't even talk to anybody. Just went home and said, left a message, say, hey, find me. I don't care. I'm going to Southern California. I got to see kids. OK, go ahead. You know, but th- does that tell you as a coach you want to win? Does that tell you? As a, is, that, is that where does that come from? See, these are the yeah. things people don't understand. That, that, that it's always the players are right, the coaches are wrong. And I'm not saying this because my son's the coach there. Like, like I'm just saying to you, like, there's nobody who is a bigger fan of Waller than my son. Like, he would call me on the phone and say, Dad, this guy's incredible. This guy's incredible. But being incredible and being on the field are two different things. And you can only defend somebody's actions when they don't want to buy completely all in. Do, are they all in? You know, are they all in? And, and you got to have a team. You got to win. You got to have a team that's all in. If you don't, you can't. So I think it's probably better for Waller to go to New York. They get a third round pick. They put Jacoby Myers on the field. Life goes on. But at 31 years old and he hasn't been healthy the last two years, I, I don't know. Like you're going to you're going to have to. And then his contract's up at the end. Yeah, it's. Hopefully it works out for the New York Giants because they know they need a big time pass catcher. The receiver market this year wasn't what they were hoping for. And the the draft this year, this doesn't sound like the receivers are what we've had in the past few drafts. So Waller maybe can be the foundation of that passing game for Daniel Jones and that Giants offense. I want to get to another guy here before we get to some of the others. We're going to have to take a, a break after this one, though. Javon Hargrave, disruptive defensive tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles. We knew he was going to get paid. I don't think we knew the team that was going to pay him was going to be the San Francisco 49ers who already have the defensive player of the year on that defensive line. Nick Bosa, who's going to get a massive contract. I'm assuming at some point this off season, this is a lot invested to that defensive line for the Niners. As you said on Twitter, strengthening a strength out in the Bay area. Yeah, I think I love this move. And for all the people that think, well, they should have, you know, they didn't have money to sign McGlinchey, right? Yeah, they did. They had money to sign. They just didn't want to. They didn't want to pay him that. that. You know, like if I were if I were the the Broncos, and, you know, I saw that they signed Hargrave and paid him, but they didn't pay McGinchy. That tells me what they think of McGinchy, right? So like that was a great move by them. Great move because now they've got a three man rotation with Kinlaw, Armstead, 
and and Hargrave in there, less is more, strength on strength. I mean, look, football's a really simple game on defense. It's really fucking simple, okay? It comes down to two things. If you make the offense, if we can count to three Mississippi, we're going to win. If you got to count to five Mississippi, the offense is going to win. And the 49ers play the three Mississippi game. They put all their resources in the three Mississippi game. And they just start collecting linebackers that can run to the football and cover punts. That's what they do. And their secondary, they don't really, they don't, they don't care enough about putting money in that back end because they know at the end of the day, the front wins the game. When it's three Mississippi, they're going to win. When it's five, they're not going to win no matter how good they are in the back end. And I think to me, that's the essence of it right there. It's as simple as I can make it. And that this move just makes them really more elite. And, and I think it's a tremendous move by San Francisco. It strengthens them. Look, who's blocking them? I mean, I mean, you know, see, if you're Seattle, you got to improve your line inside. You're worried about that. Arizona can't block this front. I mean, Arizona can't block this front. And the Rams, you think the Rams are going to block this front? I mean, you know, and then They're keep Stafford healthy. Couldn't block them last year. So and they have no resources to fix the line. So, like, it's a hard thing to do. You're going to win that, that that defensive line shows up. That's the that's the football. That's why these nicknames happen: the fearsome foursome, doomsday defense. It's all because of the front, the purple people eaters. Like that's when you get a nickname, you you, you got a, a, a nicknames go to Super Bowls. Well, we have the New York Sack Exchange. Shout out to our Jets fans from earlier. <laughs> yeah, they got the what? What happened? What Gasino got that that uh, personal? I mean, they might have gone that year. But Gasino roughed the roughed Kosar, got the penalty that got him back in that game. Yeah, it's 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 a fearsome, like you mentioned, a fearsome foursome. Like that is a defensive line that I don't think anybody wants any part. of. We didn't even Steel mention Kirk. Eric Armstead Steel. on the defensive it's, line. Like it's yeah, Armstead. You got it. You know they got they got they have a great D line coach, and that D line coach makes those players play at a high level. They're just not talented. They're talented, and they he gets more out of the backups. That you know he gets yeah. more out of them. You know, they signed Cleveland Farrell, you know, as just as a, a probably as a minimum contract. We'll see if he, you know, is a fourth pick overall in the draft by the Raiders. We'll see if he'll give any ability. But to me, it's like they, they get a lot out of their D-line. And, and because of that, they, they understand football is a game of offensive and defensive line. And now Kyle does a really good job of hiding his offensive line because he doesn't run any, any drop back pass game. That's why if Sean runs much drop back in 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 Denver, McGlinchey's liabilities are going to show up. But you know we'll see. The name to watch out for for that Niners defensive line. He was a rookie last year. He had he showed some moments, but Drake Jackson, who was their second round yeah. pick out of USC, he he's I think he's going to have a big year this upcoming year. He's the under the radar kind of guy. Everyone's like, well, oh, like how are they going to replace Amenahue and and, and Abukam? And I was like, no, like Drake Jackson. He's going to be a player. That's a name to watch out for, especially with so much attention going to Bosa, Armstead, and Hargrave. If you leave Drake Jackson one-on-one, uh, I don't think it's going to work out too well for that offensive line. So it, well, it's going to be a very, if, very good If you leave line. any of them, I mean, look, look, they got stuff yeah. out of Jordan Willis. They got stuff out of Kerry Hyder. Yeah. Both those guys are free agents, right? Like you can't, you, you know, you can't block those guys, you know? And so one-on-one, I mean, and they'll get, they'll, they'll, and they'll draft more. Trust me, they'll keep drafting them. It's, it's ridiculous, but that's how you should go go about building your team. We saw it with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Niners last year, two really good defensive lines. Oh, by the way, they happen to be in the NFC title game. Michael, let's take another break and we'll get to those Philadelphia Eagles as they are retaining some of their defensive free agents that we thought they might lose. This is a GM shuffle. 
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The defending NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles, Michael, we expected to see them lose a number of starters on defense in free agency, and they have. They've lost a couple linebackers. They're two leading tacklers from last year's team in Kaiser White and also TJ Edwards. Those guys went ahead and got deals in free agency to the Cardinals and to the Bears respectively. But at the cornerback position, we expected them to lose both of those starting corners, Darius Slay, James Bradbury. Also, we didn't know what was going to happen with Fletcher Cox. Sounds like the whole gang is coming back together. Slay tweeted last night that let's go ahead and run this thing back after it was announced that the Eagles were looking to release him after contract negotiations and all that stuff fell through. Looks like they're going to get something done. And the Eagles went ahead and got something done with James Bradbury, inking him to a three-year extension. Uh, what do you make of Philly and this team that maybe they're going to keep this thing together when we thought that the parts were going to get picked off by other teams? You know, I thought it was interesting. I, 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 they brought Brandon Graham back, too. They brought Fletcher Cox back yeah. on a one-year deal. I, I mean, I think they're in that, you know, we were close. Let's just run this thing again. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I thought one of the things that that when they struggled to play man to man, you know, I wasn't as you know, I don't think Bradbury's a great man. I, mean, I was surprised they gave him that deal. Uh, I was surprised they redid Slay what they did that, you know, as we talked about, they gave him permission to trade him. I think it's going to be interesting. Look, Dean, the kid they drafted in the third round, they could they need to play him. So letting Edwards go to uh, Chicago. I mean, Edwards thought he had a deal with the Giants. The, the Giants thought they had him and then he went to Chicago. So. I, I think to me, you know, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I didn't think Fletcher Cox was as good a player last year. I think Brandon Graham, I mean, they'll get Burnett will be healthy this year. You know, Sue's a free agent. Quinn's a free agent. Limbo, they're not going to sign any of those guys, but they have two number ones. So I think they can replenish themselves. It's not going to be a great defensive line draft in the first round. I think it'll be more of a corner draft, which is what I thought the Eagles might do is draft one and go cheaper there. But I think when you get that close to winning, you just feel like, okay, if we can just get this team back, we'll be better. We'll see. That that usually never works. Yeah, I'm a little skeptical of it as well, and I'm sure they wanted continuity, especially after losing Jonathan Gannon to the Arizona Cardinals. And they just kind of probably wanted, all right, let's keep the room together as much as possible and try to do what we can do. And typically it doesn't work, but when you look around the landscape of the NFC, like we talked about earlier in this pod, 
there's not a whole lot of good quarterbacks. And we saw the Eagles feasting on bad quarterbacks all throughout this past season. I don't know if it's going to happen again or to the same extent of them ripping off 14 regular season victories and just blowing the doors off of damn near everyone. But gosh, it's you'd be hard pressed to find a team that could challenge Philly and San Francisco based on what we've seen in these early days of free agency. Maybe there's some moves out there that are going to happen that could shake things up, but it doesn't feel like a whole lot has changed the landscape of the NFC at the top between Philly and San Fran. Oh, I mean, and look, everybody has Detroit one in the South, one in the North and they, have they, what so have sure they done defensively? Yeah. What have they done defensively? And, you know, and then the South, I mean, you know, Carolina's, you know, what are they doing with their team? So for me, it's like, you know, you got Atlanta, rookie quarterback, Carolina, probably they got, they signed Andy Dalton, you know, New Orleans has probably got one of the better teams in terms of that. I mean, look, you, you know, Carr comes to the NFC and whatever you think of Carr as a, as a leader and as a tough guy, you know, talent wise, he's in the top five quarterbacks in the NFC right now. And if they yeah. protect them, you know, and, and with all their skill around them, they have a chance. So you know, to me, New Orleans is a dark horse in this thing because they are very talented offensively in the line, defensively, you know. But I, I, there's really, other than Sam, you know, nobody in the West. I mean, Seattle will be the interesting team. How quickly they manifest these draft picks into their team because they got better last year. I thought the yeah. Eagles signing Rashard Penny was a good move. I mean, I know he didn't stay healthy, but when Penny's healthy, you know, he's really a good player. They couldn't afford to sign Sanders, he went to Carolina, but I thought Penny's one of those guys like Waller, really talented, but can he stay healthy? Yeah, and I think that's the with Penny, it's even more so because he's never played a full season. He's been hurt ever since he entered the league, only played five games last year getting injured. I, I always get concerned, though, when line one of your profile as a player is when healthy dot 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 because that's the Rashad Penny story there uh, yeah, but it's no low doubt. risk it's low risk high reward type of move though from the Eagles pretty shrewd move I believe he's only it's like a one year two or three million dollar contract it's a very shrewd kind of low risk high reward none of, type the, back, of, none of the backs family are getting all the backs are getting released like they had these yeah. big contracts but none of them my are guys, big contracts. My guy Zeke, man, my guy Zeke it's a it, it was it was a nice run for Ezekiel Elliott you know seven years in Dallas but uh, we, we got to part ways as he got, he got released, man. It's yeah. I mean, it's, it's and you, you, look at the contract, you look at the contract they gave Zeke over the production. I mean, wow. Jerry just gave a ton of money away. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was difficult there last year. I mean, Zeke was 15 games, 876 yards, 3.8 yards per attempt. Like that's, and, and he can't run the ball. Look, he can't run the yeah. ball outside. That's the problem. He can't yeah. get to the corner. And if you can't get to the corner, it's really hard. And, and, you know, honestly, what bums me out as a Cowboys fan is that, like, gosh, he was so damn good early in his career. He was so damn good. But wear and tear at the position. That's it's one of the reasons why we see like Austin Eckler's out there. I mean, like, what's going to happen with him with the Chargers? They've given him permission to seek a trade. Doesn't sound like there's a ton of interest because everybody knows the position. It's violent. It's brutal. You, you don't stay at the top very long. Yeah, but I think Eckler's a unique player. I think Eckler, if I was Eckler's agent, I'm saying, like, what makes Christian McCaffrey better than me? That's what I would be saying. Like, what makes him better than me? Like, what makes Eckler so effective is his multiple ability, especially in the red zone where he can create plays. He's hard to cover. You can line him up as a receiver. He can play in the backfield. To me, the, the problem with Eckler is they never gave him another back. They never had a Lamont Murray back there. They never had a Mark Ingram with them. They've never had another guy. They never had that ability to go base personnel and then change it. And, you know, look, let's face it. I mean, you know, the joystick's going to throw at every play. 
So, you know, I mean, that, that, that's pretty clear, you know. But I, I think I, if I were a team and needed a back, I would certainly try to trade. Now, it depends on what they want for him. But I yeah. think Eckler's a really good player. I think he's multidimensional. I think he can create some problems for you. I know nobody wants to pay running backs. I get that. I understand that. And there's so many available. And right now, right now, nobody is – nobody's – these backs that are – Madison signed uh, – I don't know what his deal was. He signed back in Minnesota. He was telling everybody, I want a chance to play somewhere. I want a chance to play. And he go back to Minnesota. There's talk they're going to trade Dalvin Cook. You know? They're, they're, wow. they're, they're, that rumor's been out there because, you know, he's got such a big cap number. But – I think to me is the the, the running back. The, to me, the only way you pay a back is when he's a weapon in the passing game, and I think that's Eckler. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Dallas Cowboys, before we take a quick, a quick break here, insider Michael Lombardi was was added earlier this week, tweeting that Cowboys are in the run to try to get a corner. 15, 20 minutes later, boom. Cowboys trade for Stefan Gilmore, a fifth round pick, going over to the Indianapolis Colts for the former Defensive Player of the Year back. In 2019, man, you got to get into this insider game full time, buddy. No, I mean, like you, I mean, you, you, no. you could, you could, you could do some damage, man. <laughs> I know way more than I say. I could tell you that, and it's not because I got a son in the league. I mean, like I talk to a lot of people, but I, 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 I mean, how much stuff has gotten stolen from us? I mean, seriously, a lot. You know, it's a it's lot. like yeah, we got we we we're like uh, you know we we got a lot of shoplifting going on here. But to me, the reason I did it that way is because. You know, like if I knew it was Gilmore, I mean, I had three people, three insiders text me immediately, like, who is it? You know, and I'm like, OK, it's Gilmore. But I didn't put it out there as Gilmore because if I, I put it out there an hour later, it would have been somebody reported that Gilmore and it, my name would have never been mentioned. I mean, like I never get credit. It never goes back because I'm, you know, I, I guess I'm on the outside. I'm not like, you know, first reported by this, you know. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you could report that that's been in a conversation. But, you know, I think to me, it, it, you know, look, Gilmore wanted to play somewhere for a winner. They got rid of his, his cap number. I thought Gilmore played well last year. I thought he really kind of got his yeah. career back on track with Indy, even though it was kind of a zone scheme that he's not really comfortable in. But I think he'll play well for Dallas. He'll give him another year. Yeah, no, I think it's a nice move for Dallas. It's another kind of low risk, high reward type of move. You're trading a day three pick chances that you find a better player than Stefan Gilmore in the fifth round is pretty slim. So I like that opportunity for Dallas, especially given where they're at with their timeline from a winning perspective here, but Gilmore digs on the outside of the corner. I think that's secondary in Dallas. You know, they got Donovan Wilson done. He's coming back. They have a chance to be really good on that back end paired with what they can do up front with Micah Parsons leading the way. Dan Quinn's back in the fold. Man, this Dallas defense, I'm not I'm not going to get roped in. I know I got the I got the the blanket behind me. I'm not getting roped in so that they can break my heart again, but defense is looking pretty good in Dallas. So maybe Yeah, they can I challenge, mean, look, the Dallas Dallas has got a they got a chance. I mean, they really do. They got a chance and yeah. and they got to maximize and they'll draft well cuz I think they do draft well. And, you know, the now that free agency is kind of on the on the picket picket side, they could maybe add some pieces to yep. enhance their team. They've got enough stars. They need some pieces. You know, it's interesting. Would you trade like Denver's been trying to trade Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, right? I'm mm-hmm. not saying they're going to actively give them away, but you could take them. Like, would you know, would you trade for Jerry Judy to put him with CD? 100%. Lamb? 100%. Look, I know you would. I know you would. I know you would. I, I could lure you into that. You, yeah, I could Paul Castellano only you Judy, in a minute. Only, only I could Paul Castellano you in a minute. You'd be at Sparks eating. I could do that in a second. Like, I knew that was EC. You'd be. Maybe on but, the sidewalks out front of Sparks. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though, with Dallas's offense. 
They need a burner. Like people have talked about like, oh, like Cowboys should trade for Hopkins. I don't want DeAndre Hopkins because I need somebody who has speed. I think CD Lamb could do this. I think his market's really soft. I don't think anybody wants to get in the Hopkins business and then have to redo his contract. That what I'm told, it's soft. There's not a lot of action out there on it. You know, and so he's a good player. He's always covered. Player. But he always comes up with a football, you know. But there's there's other things that go into this that I'm not at liberty to discuss that I think is probably holding it all back. Insider Michael, there he is. Uh, but but I, I, I'm not an insider. I'm not, you know, I mean, I'm not. I'm just a, I, I, you don't have to be an insider. To, to, to me, it's logical. It's logical yeah. that the Rams would try to trade Stafford. It's logical that the Eagles would try to redo or give permission to slay. It's logical that Kirk Cousins, you could have him if you wanted him. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. But when you look at it, like, how do you think trades are made in the NFL? Through logic, right? You sit in your office as a personnel director, like I've done for 35 years. You look at a board, you say, okay, like, what are they going to do with this? They make this move. Now, this guy's got to be available. Or you always, like what we always would do, and I learned this from Al Davis before I even worked for Al Davis, is anytime there's a new coaching staff, you have to develop a relationship with that personnel department to where you'll get the players, like Carolina, you'll get any player that was a Matt Rule player if you want them, right? If you want them, you'll get them. You want Tommy Trumbull, the tight end go, you can probably get them. You want, like we said two weeks ago, if you want the quarterback back, Corral, you can go get him. Like anybody that he brought in there, probably with the exception of Jeremy Chin, you could probably get, or, or Derek Brown, you know? But JC Horn as well, yeah. Yeah, the change of staff, motivates the, the the nobody wants those players houston's different because nick's still there so you know like he's still he's been there for three years so you can't but anytime there's a change of organization you can end up getting players and then you just got to find them and, and you'll get them at cheaper rates because nobody nobody loves starting with a new player like they, they they're not that's not my guy like to me yeah. that's ridiculous but that's not my guy it's crazy. Let's take our last break and we'll get to some NFC South quarterbacks that have now joined the picture here. This is the GM show. All right, before we get out of here, Michael, let's touch on a couple of NFC South quarterbacks. We talked about Jacoby Brissett and what's happened there, but how about Taylor Heineke and Baker Mayfield Mayfield going over to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers one year deal worth up to eight and a half million dollars. Is this the solution for the QB position for Tampa Bay? Or do you think that they'll still be maybe into the rookie quarterback market and perhaps move up into the draft to secure one of those guys that's talked about in this class? You know, I, I think what you're looking at with Tampa is I think Tampa is going to go through a huge metamorphosis of change. I mean, when you you know, they got rid of Donovan Smith. Right. And so, you know, they they have spent so much money in Tampa over the last three years. You know, and, and for good reason. They had Brady. They had this moment where they were all in. And now they're going to they're on the other side of that. They're going to have to try to get their cap in order. They spent so much cash. Right. You know, and so now they're going to have to try to get their team in order. And by doing that, I think they're you know, they're trying to keep some of their young players on the team but maybe liquidate some of their old players. Like I talked about in the last segment, right? You know, you're looking at the board, you're looking at, uh, you're looking at uh, Tampa and you're sitting in your office and you say, they trade Shaq Mason, they get rid of his contract. They get rid of the 9.3 million of Donovan Smith. They get rid of him. So, you know, now you're saying, well, which other player could I get from them that they have to get rid of, right? 
what what other player could I get rid of? Okay, could I could they would they trade me Shaq Barrett? You know, would they get rid of him? You know, does he fit their profile or is it would they take too much? That to me, this is a team that's trying to get their cap back in order from from all the from all the cash that they've spent. You know, so you know, the problem with Shaq Barrett is he's got he's a non-guarantee, but he's got twenty I think he's got like sixteen million of, of acceleration into it, you know. But coming off the injury too. Maybe you yeah, coming off the injury. Maybe you could trade them and then de- defer it into the June one thing. But to me, Tampa's a team that they have to kind of do it, and Mayfield gives them a chance for cheap to kind of keep going down this road. I, I, I mean, like I said in a tweet, I, I wonder if they watched the tape. I mean, I thought Baker was really not very good at all last year. He's one of the worst quarterbacks I watched. When you say metamorphosis of change, the first thing that comes in my mind, and I might be incorrect in this thinking, but it almost sounds like maybe they're angling. I don't want to say the T word tank, but maybe they're angling for a Caleb Williams or a Drake May in next year's class. Would Could that be the takeaway? I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, if you're Todd Bowles and you got the first pick of the draft, you're not going to be making it. So he's not certainly doing that, you know, and they didn't sign, you know, they didn't sign uh, a Jamal Dean to a huge contract because they think they're going to cave. I mean, they still got some good young players, Vita Vey, Chris Godwin, Carlton Davis, Devin White. You know, they just redid Levant Davis deal. So they brought him back. They got worth, you know, they still have some good players in there on their team. However, to me, I, I think what they're trying to do is get their cap in order and stay competitive. I mean, that's what you want to do. You know, be 10 and seven, you know, make the playoffs, can't get fired, but still have a chance. You know, I think that's kind of where they're going. How about Heineke going to Atlanta here? I would assume as the backup for Desmond Ritter, but the Falcons, they continue to carry on like they're not interested in Lamar Jackson. <laughs> it's funny. I don't know. I mean, and Heineke, does he fit really what they do? Like, like really. is he a six back off? That Like, to me, he's so dramatically different than Ryder, who was – you can run Ryder a little bit or Marcus Mariota. I, 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 I have a hard time understanding Atlanta. I, I don't get why they wouldn't be in it. You know, if you were into Sean Watson – and the only reason you didn't get Deshaun Watson is because Cleveland put that deal on the table. I really think Deshaun Watson was going to Atlanta until Cleveland said $250 million. I mean, Carolina got out. Carolina got out. It was Atlanta, and then Cleveland came in late. But how are you involved in Deshaun and not involved in Lamar? I, that still, one still doesn't make sense. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to need the 30 for 30 on that one uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. But Heineke also, to his credit, to give him a little bit of respect, maybe he's kind of like Jimmy G where guys gravitate toward him and want to be do. around him. Because it I seems like that was the case like in Washington. I think there's he's a lot like Jimmy G, there's no doubt. All right, Michael, that does it for this week's edition of the podcast on Monday. We'll yep. see if more of the oh, chips the way, and the dominoes have fallen. I just checked the Edmonton. They are now the Edmonton Elks here in Edmonton, the CFL team. They changed their name, even oh. though when Warren Moon played here, they were the Eskimos. So They were. Well, Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we have to issue a correction after we post the podcast. We got that done <laughs> in, in real time. But uh, thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman. Thank you to DraftKings and VEASAN. Thank you to all the listeners and the viewers. Every The engagement has been awesome, and we appreciate that on the GM Shuffle podcast. Podcast is rating really well. Continue to support the podcast because if you continue to support it, we'll continue to give you the shuffle uh, twice a week here. So uh, it's been awesome. Free agency is underway. The draft is coming up in about five weeks here. We're off and running here. Michael's now in Vegas. We're going to do some of these in person. That's going to be even better. But, uh, Michael, enjoy the rest of Canada. Enjoy the NCAA basketball tournament. I'll talk to you on Saturday and be well. In, in person. Thank you, Femi. Thank you, Elliot.